Are you excited about God tonight? Yeah. Is Jesus reigning in your life tonight? Yeah. Is he really reigning in your life tonight? Oh, yeah. What a great place to be in, a great position to be in, that Jesus Christ would reign in your life. Now, I want to ask you a question tonight. Are you ready for the word of God? Because I've got a great message for you. So I'm hoping, are you ready to listen? Yeah. Are your ears on? Yeah. All right. Okay. I've got a question for you. Have you ever felt that you could get more out of your life? Have you ever felt like, you know, there's more in this life for me than I'm currently living right now? Have you ever felt that way? Or am I the only one? Yes. All right. Who of you here would be happy to settle for a really average, mediocre life? Are you sure? Are you sure you wouldn't want to settle for something like really boring? Are you? Who, who wants a boring life? Not me. Me neither. Okay. All right. So we're saying that we're wanting something more out of life. And I want to tell you that there is something more than you're living right now. Because if you're sucking air tonight, there's, God has got something more for you. If you've got a dream and a desire in your heart, if your heart is beating and you're drawing air into your lungs tonight... I want to tell you that God wants to take you up another level in your life and take you up another level in your faith. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Hallelujah. I'm glad you're with me. All right. So it doesn't matter how good your life is at the moment. Okay. It doesn't matter how good it is. This side of heaven, there is always something more you can be experiencing out of life. Something more, something better can happen to you. All right. So let's believe that that can start tonight, something more, something better. All right, because I've entitled this message, Getting More Out of Life. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and say, I want a whole lot more out of this life. Yeah, I can't can't imagine anything worse than than, uh, uh, finishing out my days in in, in a rest home, eh? I I don't want that. (laughs) No way. All right. So, okay. Now, if you want something more out of tonight, out of your life, okay, let's get specific about it. If you were to get more out of life, what would it be tonight? What would it be? See, would it be a, a better relationship with your parents? And all the parents say, "Amen." <laughs> Jesus. Okay, a better relationship with your children. And all the young ones said. I mean, all the young ones said, thank you. All right. A financial breakthrough. Yeah. Who could do with a financial breakthrough? Yeah. All right. Freedom from a destructive habit. Okay. A greater sense of the presence of God in your life. A greater confidence in relating to others. Yeah. A better marriage. That's a good thing to want. Okay. Yeah. A marriage. Yeah. All right. Along those lines, more love in your life. Okay, freedom from fear, freedom from loneliness, freedom from rejection, freedom from insecurity, whatever it would be, you know, a greater sense of peace in your life, you know, more miracles, who wants more miracles in their life, yeah, who's hungry for the miracles of God, you see, you name it, whether you've been a Christian for a long time, or you haven't yet given your life to Christ, God has got more for you, God has got a whole lot more for you, you see, And you know what? 
If you found yourself thinking, I want more. There must be more. I want to, to do more things in God, to do better things in God, to experience all that God has for me in this world. I want to reach out and touch that. If you're that sort of person tonight, well, I've got that sort of message for you, all right? You see, instinctively, there should be something within us that says, I want more. Do you know why? Because Jesus said in John 10, 10, that I have come that you would have life and life more abundantly. What he's saying is, is that he wants you to have the kind of life that overflows, the kind of life that's full of joy, the kind of life that's full of enthusiasm, the kind of life that says, I'm going out there, I'm getting it, I'm taking it captive for Jesus Christ. Yeah? If that's you tonight, give the Lord a big shout. Yeah. All right. You see, often we can sense that there is something more for us. It's like we can see it there, okay? We can see it there, but we can't quite touch it. Or even worse, we can see it there, but it's like it's of another world, you know? Now, tonight, I want you to think real clearly, real clearly, where am I going in my life? Am I experiencing all that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood for or am I living some sort of lukewarm, mediocre life? Yeah? All right. We don't want to be living lukewarm and mediocre lives. All right. Okay. So I want you to turn in your Bible to Joshua. Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3. Okay, now the book of Joshua... Is all about the people of God getting, getting what God promised in their lives. It's about conquest. It's about battles and overcoming. It's about winning in life. And you know, I, I loved what uh, Andy preached last week about uh, he's a freedom fighter, loves, uh, loves the stories of battles. And uh, maybe it's a guy thing, but I'm sure there's some woman in here who, who, uh, who, who love, uh, love a good scrap. Eh? Yeah? Love a good fight. Yeah? So it's about people of God taking hold of what God has promised for them. Now the background to this story, at the very beginning of Joshua, it says, after the death of Moses. Now Moses was a superhero in anyone's book, you know? Moses, he was a wild man. Now he, was, he stood up to Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he said, I'm taking my people out of here. Okay? That's what he said. He said... The people are mine, the people are gods, and they're coming out. They're no longer going to live as slaves. Okay, and through Moses, God worked a series of huge miracles. Through Moses, God split the Red Sea. Through Moses, he brought water from a rock. Through Moses, he did incredible miracles and led the people right to the edge of the promised land. But right there, that's where the story turns sad. Because the people decided that at the edge of the promised land, at the edge of what God had promised them, they decided that they were going to turn back. They would not believe God. They wanted the life of slavery more than the life of promise. Now, that's really sobering because, you know what, the application for our life is, is that what do you want? What are you willing to pursue the promises of God? What are you willing to, to push in 
to God's promises? Or are you willing to just turn back and settle for, well, maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't? Yeah? What sort of person are you? So Moses had led Israel powerfully for these 40 plus years. And now an entire generation has died out and they're ready to take another crack at the promised land. They're ready to go in again. And here they are, they're standing there. Moses is dead. Now what are they going to do? The person that they had depended on, the person that had called down God's fire, the person who had, who had worked incredible miracles, now they're gone. The person they'd relied on for 40 plus years is dead. And now the toughest challenge lies ahead of them. And here's the first point tonight. If you're wanting to get more out of life, you need to get your own faith. Tell the person next to you, you need to get your own faith. Yeah? See, there comes a time when it's no longer enough to rely on the faith of others. The people of, uh, of Israel had relied on the faith of Moses. They just followed along after him, but now he was gone. What were they going to do? They had to get a life. Yeah, they had to get a life and get a faith. And you know what? Some of us here tonight, we're here because someone has brought us. We're here because we're someone's uh, son or daughter. And they've brought us along to church or told us we've got to go to church. You know, maybe you've been relying on the faith of someone else. But tonight I want to tell you, rely on the faith. Develop a faith of your own. Get a faith of your own. You see, if you want the kind of life that you know instinctively that Jesus Christ died and shed his blood for, if you want that kind of life, you need a vital faith of your own, a strong faith of your own. The faith of your parents won't do it for you. The faith of your friends won't do it for you. Even the faith of your pastor or leaders won't do it for you. You need to dig deep. And forge a relationship of faith yourself. You see, what is faith? Faith is simply believing that Jesus Christ is who he said he is. And that he will do what he said he would do. He will do it. Faith is knowing God and living in obedience to him. It's not a formula. It's about relationship. And it begins with very simply, Jesus, I believe that you're the son of God. I believe that you died for my sins. I believe that you rose from the dead on the third day. I believe that you set me free from every sin. I believe that you did this, Jesus. And right now, I'm trusting you with my whole life. Yeah, that's how it begins. But you know what? It continues every day after that with Jesus I'm trusting you to work this out in my life. You see, maybe you said that prayer uh, years ago. I said it somewhere around 18 years ago. But you know what? I don't stop saying it. I say, Jesus, I need you today. Jesus, I'm trusting you today to work everything out in my life. Because you know what? You've got a choice. You can do it yourself, okay? Or you can allow God to steer your life, to direct your life, yeah? To move your life. So who does your faith rest on today? Who does it rest on? Does it rest on a person? Or does it rest on your own personal relationship with God? You see, if your faith rests on someone else, someone else's faith, you're on really shaky ground. 
If that person stopped phoning you, would you still come to church? If that person didn't come around and pick you up, would you still find a way to get to your small group? What would you do? If someone, more importantly, upset you or offended you, would you write them off and write God off too? Or would you release forgiveness? Yeah? You see, if you want more out of life, if you want to take hold of the promises that God has for you, you can't rely on a second-hand faith. Do you know that? Yeah, why don't you begin right now and say, I've got a faith of my own. I believe in Jesus. Tell a person next to you, I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. All right. So here they are, again, chapter 3. Here they are on the edge of the promised land. And uh, I'll read for you in verse 1 through 2. Here we go, through to five. And it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning. How many of you hate that already? Okay. (laughs) Then Joshua rose early in the morning. I'm not an early person. I struggle with that. Okay. Then they set out from the Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they crossed over. So it was about three days. And they commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests and the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. And then in verse 5 it says, Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders amongst you. The Lord will do wonders among you. How many of you get excited when you hear that the Lord will do wonders among you? He's saying... God will do amazing things. God will do amazing things in your life. God will do incredible things. God will do miraculous things. You see, the people of Israel, thus standing on the edge of the promised land, before them is a flooded river. Beyond the river, there's fortified cities with people who are not so excited about them being in their land. Okay, but it's not their land anyway because God had already given it to the people of Israel. Yeah? And they are faced with a choice. Like a generation earlier, they were faced with a choice. Do we step out and believe God, trusting Him and believing His promises, or do we do just like our parents did and turn our backs on the promises of God? You see, and that's the choice we have also. Do we step out and believe God's promises? No matter what the flood of circumstances are around us, no matter what the situation is, no matter what's going on, no matter how tough and hard things would seem, and say, God, I'm reaching forward to your promises. I'm believing you. You see, a generation before them had said, no, we're not, do- we're not doing that. Sorry, too hard. Okay. But this generation was different. This generation was a generation that said, yes, God, we're going ahead. Now, what generation do you belong to tonight? What generation do you belong to? Do you belong to the generation that looks at the promises of God and looks at your circumstances and says, I can't do it. I'm not going that way. It's too hard. Maybe, maybe it's for another life. 
Maybe it's for, maybe it's when, it, when the rapture happens, all that's going to happen. Maybe, maybe when I get to heaven, it'll all be okay. Or you're a person like this generation that said, those promises are for me. I want them manifest in my life right now. I'm going for them. Are you the generation that says I'm going for it? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So God is going to do amazing things. He wants to do amazing things. And I want you to look really carefully at this. When Joshua says in verse 5 that he will do wonders amongst you, he's literally saying, I will do miracles. I will do incredible things. But you know what? What comes before that, he says, sanctify yourselves, consecrate yourselves. What is Joshua on about? What those words mean? He's saying, guys... God is going to do something incredible. So guys, I want you to clean up your lives before that happens. I want you to deal with the dodgy stuff in your life before the miracles flow. I want to give you an opportunity to get rid of every dodgy area in your life before God turns up and does something incredible. You see, if you want more out of life, If you want God to do the amazing things in your life, you need to deal with the dodgy things in your life. Tell the person next to you, you need to sort out the dodgy stuff. Sort out the dodgy stuff. So what, what do I mean? What do I mean by dodgy stuff? I mean the stuff in your life that God is not into. I mean the dodgy attitudes. Okay, who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah. (laughs) the dodgy attitudes. It might be an immoral relationship. It might be hanging out with dodgy people. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah? Dodgy people that are simply no good for you. It might be simply being rude and nasty to your parents or to someone that is not in the cool club. Yeah? You know what I'm saying? It might be hanging out at parties and drinking too much. It might be eating too much. It might be whining and complaining. Okay, it might be dodgy internet sites that you visit. Yeah, it might be any number of things. But basically, you know what it is? It's stuff that damages your relationship with God. Yeah, stuff that gives you a bad name and God a bad name. You see, sometimes we're not quite sure whether it's dodgy or not. Okay, so if you're not sure... Whether something in your life is is, uh, is dodgy on the on the on the slide, okay? Ask your small group leader or your equipping track leader uh, if you're too embarrassed to ask. So if you're too embarrassed to ask, the chances are that it is dodgy, okay? <laughs> but God is saying, guys, I want to do incredible things in your life, but I want you to deal with the areas of your life that's not on the level. I want to deal with the things in your life that are not straight. I want to deal with the things in your life that are harming your relationship with me. You know what I'm talking about, eh? All right. So if you want more out of life, you can't be prepared to tolerate the things in your life that damage your relationship with God. And Joshua is saying, you know, God has got so much more for you, but I want you to sort this out. Okay, I want you to sort this out. All right, I want you to look on a little bit further. 
You see, the people were about to go into the land and they needed to pass through a flooded river. And when they got to the other side, they had to fight with some strong and fierce people. They had to take over fortified cities. Let's read here through uh, verses 9 right through to 11. It says, So Joshua said to the children of Israel, Come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. Are you ready to hear the word of the Lord tonight? Yeah? Joshua said, By this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will drive out all these nations before you. And in verse 11, it says, Behold or see or look, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of the whole earth is crossing over before you. Look, see, get your eyes on the ark of God. What's he on about? You see, the people were about to face some of the biggest challenges ever. What do you think they were looking at? You see, I can imagine them standing at the edge of that river in flood, looking over and seeing fortified cities, having heard of the strong people that lived there, powerful people who lived there. And they're thinking, look at the river. What what are we going to do? You know, how are we going to cross this? Oh, we've never done this before. Uh, my children can't swim. Uh, I can't swim for that matter. Who's going to get me across? There's no bridge. Can't we wait? Do we have to do it now? What do we have to do this for now? And before you know it, it's like, if we do this, we're going to die. I don't want to do this. I don't want to trust God. You see, God wants to do something big in your life. But maybe you've got problems that are in the way. Problems with your parents. Problems with your business. Problems with your school or your work or your health or your friends. Problems with yourself. Yeah? How many of you know that sometimes the biggest problem that we've got is ourselves? Eh? You know that. All right. What is the focus of your attention? What fills your mind? What fills your thoughts and your imagination? You see, if you're like me, naturally, it's the problems. Okay? It's the sight of that river and thinking, oh my God, I'm going to drown. Yeah? How many of you can relate to that? You know what I'm saying, eh? You see, right here, Joshua introduces to you one of the most important principles of faith. What you focus on changes you. Yeah? What you set your eyes on will either fill you with fear or it'll fill you with faith. What you focus on will either make you powerful or pitiful. Yeah? All right. So what are you focused on tonight? If you looked at all the great things where you're wanting to get more out of life, what is it that takes your focus? What is it that consumes your thoughts? I want you to turn to the person next to you. Take a good look at them. Take a good look at them. 
And I want you to ask them a question. All right, are you ready? I've got a question for them. What are you looking at? <laughs> what are you looking at? <laughs> I don't know about you, but where I came from in my school, that would get you an instant scrap, you know. <laughs> All right. So Joshua says, you know, guys, I can see you looking at that river. I can see you looking at all the trouble. I can see you looking at your circumstances. But I want you to change your focus. I want you to look this way. I want you to get your eyes off your circumstances and onto God. Yeah? Joshua says, hey, guys, I want your eyes this way, looking this way. And fix your eyes on the Ark of the Covenant. You see, the Ark of the Covenant was a visual reminder to the people of God. When the people saw the Ark of the Covenant, which was basically a, a, a gold-covered box with these uh, big uh, cherubim over them, you know, but when the people saw that, the people of Israel saw that, they thought, God, God is here. You see, if you want to get more out of life, you need to Take your eyes off your circumstance, off your river, off the flood that's going on in your life, off the strong-walled cities. Take your eyes off those things and set them on God. Get your eyes on God. You see, when the people saw the ark, they saw five things. First of all, they saw the promises of God. They saw the presence of of God. They saw the purity of God. They saw the power of God. And they saw the provision of God. These five things. These are the things that we need to keep our eyes on if we're going to get more out of this life. If we're going to take a hold of that abundant life that Jesus said He's got for us. That's the sort of life that he's got for us, now we need to keep our eyes on God. Because I don't know about you, I was preparing this message and something went wrong on, on uh, uh, the other day. And, uh, you know, I'm thinking, I was getting, starting to get myself in a stew, you know, getting angry, getting ticked, and thinking, God, what's going on and why? Yeah, how many of you can relate to talking to God like that? Yeah, thinking, why God? Yeah, and actually I was getting quite angry. And I, I felt the voice of God saying, just in, in my spirit, saying, preach to yourself, Doug. What's the message you're preparing? Hello? Yeah? What's the message you're preparing? I said, God, I'm so sorry. You know, I need to get my eyes back on you. Take my eyes off that circumstance and onto you. You see, if you want to get more out of life, you need to keep your eyes on the promises of God. You see, the Ark was called the Ark of the Covenant. See, a covenant is an agreement or a promise to do something. The Ark was a visual reminder that God is not a man that he lies. Okay, God is not a man that he says something and will not do it. God is not a, a God who, who will let you down. God is not a God who says, you know, I tricked you, I got you, fooled you. He's not going to say that. 
You see, God is a promise-keeping God. He doesn't lie. In Numbers 23, verse 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do? Or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? How many of you have promises of God that you keep before yourself? How many of you keep promises of God? You meditate on them. You think about them. You memorize them. You pray them. You know, if you're wanting all that God has for you, it's time to take up His promises, get a hold of them, and start looking at them instead of your circumstances. See, it talks about Abraham. Abraham was an incredible man of faith, you know. And it says of Abraham that he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief. But he was strengthened in faith and he gave glory to God. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he would also do. You see, that's the life of faith. That's the faith that gets hold of what God has for us. You see, you need to keep your eyes on the promises of God. Learn His promises. What does God say? What does God say about my relationships? What does God say about my salvation? What does God say about my emotional state? What does God say about my physical body? Learn what He says and then speak it. Speak it out. Get used to hearing it. Get used to saying it out loud. Speak it into the atmosphere. Speak it into your circumstances. Think about them. Pray them. Don't let them go. If God has got a promise for you, then say, just like Abraham, I will not waver at my circumstances. I'm going after God. Yeah? So you need to keep your eyes on the promises of God. You need to keep your eyes on the presence of God. You see, the ark was a place where God spoke. It's a place where he made his presence known. And you know what? Through giving your life to Jesus Christ, he will come and make his voice known in your life. He will make his presence known in your life. You know one of the awesome names of Jesus Christ is Emmanuel. You know what Emmanuel means? God with us. God with us. Isn't that incredible? If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you have a relationship with a God that is with you. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, in whatever circumstance, He is with you. You know, see, the presence of God is an awesome thing. You can experience the presence of God wherever you are. In your workplace, you can experience the presence of God. You can experience the presence of God in your family. You can experience the presence of God in your car as you're driving, you know. You can experience the presence of God if you will set your heart and your attention towards it. See, in Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Who could do with some joy in their life? Yeah? You know where you find that joy? In the presence of God. In the presence of God. How do, you, how do you get into the presence of God? You spend time with Him. You talk with Him. You worship God. You go aside by yourself 
and just get alone with God and talk to Him like you're talking to a friend. Reveal what's going on in your life to God. It says the mountains melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. You see, whatever problem that you have will melt in the presence of God. That's good. Right? You've got to keep your eyes on the purity of God. You see, the Ark of the Covenant contained the Ten Commandments. You know what? The Ten Commandments were written in stone, meaning that they're unchanging, that they're just as relevant today as they were written thousands of years ago. Yeah. The Ten Commandments speak of the purity of God. God is a holy God, and He wants us, His people, to live at a standard that's higher than the world. In 1 Peter 1, 14 to 15, it says, So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then, but now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. God purposes your life to be a higher standard than the world around you. When the world around you looks at your life and says, well, I can't see any different, you know, they nut off just the same as I do. They uh, swear just the same as I do. They, uh, they cheat on their deals just the same as I do. You know, that's a lower standard. God wants your standard to raise. Okay, now this is so important that you keep your eyes on the purity of God. The reason this is so important is, is because in difficult circumstances and challenges in our lives, that's when the temptation is to do something that is impure. You know, how many of you know that in your greatest challenge, the devil will present you with an option, a cheap option, yeah? A cheap option. Whether a desire is for love, he'll present you with cheap sex, yeah? If your desire is for inner peace, he'll present you with drugs and alcohol to get that way. Instead of prosperity, through the principles of God, hard work and faith, He'll tempt you with gambling and get-rich-quick schemes. How many of you have heard enough get-rich-quick schemes to last you a lifetime? Eh? I don't care if I never hear another get-rich-quick scheme. I don't want to hear it. I want prosperity God's way. Yeah. Instead of walking through difficulties, the devil will present you with a way of walking away from them, an opportunity to run away. You see, we've got to keep our eyes on the purity of God. You see, God has an incredible purpose for you. It doesn't want you to damage it. Yeah. So if you want more in your life, you've got to keep your eyes on the power of God. You see, the other thing that the ark of God contained was a stick that God had caused to supernaturally bud and bear fruit. If you're wanting to get more out of life, you've got to keep your eyes on the power of God that brings life to the dead. You know, I just loved hearing uh, David Hogan as he was here uh, just a, a few weeks ago. Just incredible. You know, of stories of people being raised from the dead. Incredible that we would see that in this nation, not just in the, in the third world. That we would see that in our lifetimes. That we would see that in the world around us. Because, do you know what? God is a God who brings life to the dead. He brings life to dead circumstances. He brings life into whatever you thought was dead. If you will keep your eyes on his power. If you will not leave, lose sight of what he's doing. 
You say in, in Ephesians uh, 3, verse 20, I want you to turn there in your Bible if you can. If you've got your Bible with you, turn to Ephesians 3, and verse 20. This is a great verse. Keeping your eyes on the power of God. 3, verse 20, it says, Now all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. That's the New Living Translation. It says, in the New, in New King James, it says, do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or we think. How many of you get excited about a God who is able to do more than we could even think, more than we could even ask? Are there more than two people that are excited about God tonight? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yes. You see, that's an incredible thing, that God wants to do amazing things in your life. He says, sanctify yourselves because I'm going to do wonders in your life. Now keep your eyes on this. The last thing it is I want to bring to your attention. Could I have the band, please? You see, if you're wanting more out of your life, you need to keep your eyes on the provision of God. The last thing in the Ark of the Covenant was a jar of manna. Okay, This was the supernatural provision of God that fell from the sky, that provided for an entire nation. You see how God is called Jehovah Jireh. It's a God, He is the God who provides. God will provide you what you need in your life. As long as you've got your eyes on Him. As long as you're keeping your focus fixed on God. It says in Philippians 4, verse 19, it says, My God shall supply all your need. All your need. Say all your need. All your need according to the riches and glory of Jesus Christ. You see, tonight, I have some keys, things, guys. What was it tonight that you said, I want something to be different in my life? What was it that you said, oh God, I want more, more than I've got right now, more than I'm living right now? What was it? So what have you got your eyes on tonight? Do you want more out of life? How many of you are wanting more out of your life? Yeah. You see, there's a whole new level of faith, a whole new level of living that God's wanting to bring you into. Do you believe that? Yeah. God is wanting to take you up a whole nother level in your life. He's saying, guys, there is no trouble, no difficulty, no circumstance that would block you from receiving God's abundance. Nothing. But your own faith, get your own faith. Deal with the dodgy stuff in your life. And get your eyes off your circumstances and keep your eyes on Jesus. See, where the last generation failed, 
this generation succeeded. I want to be a part of the generation Joshua. Because as you read through the rest of that chapter, it talks about how God supernaturally cut off the flood of that river and the people walked through on dry land. See, God is able to cut off the flood of your circumstances. And he's able to pass you through that into his promises on dry land. What generation are you a part of tonight? Are you a part of the Joshua generation? It says, God, I'm believing you. If that's you tonight, I want you to stand.